0: Welcome. Thank you for coming back to listen to part two of my interview with Tina Smith, a psychotherapist and author of the book, Renewing Our Minds in Love. And as we were saying last week on part one of this episode, she is a fantastic speaker She knows her subject matter when it comes to overcoming abuse and trauma and trying to do something positive for the church community to train them to not only deal with the abuse in their churches, but to help them heal as well. And that is sorely needed right now, more than ever. We need more training, we need more tools, we need more advocates to help survivors as well as the churches out there who really do love the Lord, who care about people who are not legalistic, who are not abusing their people. They are trying, but they just need a little bit of help. They need a few tools. So we are on part two this week. Please listen to part one. If you have not done so, you would have missed out on a lot of important details. It's only 30-minute podcast now. It's been a couple episodes since I've mentioned that. These are now 30-minute episodes, so it doesn't take very long to listen to them to get caught up, okay? So I won't delay any further. My part two of my conversation with Tina Smith. Enjoy. I was a Baptist missionary, and so there's this joke going around that the Baptists think that they're the only ones that are going to be in heaven. Oh, <laughs> Everybody yes, says that. No. Like They were very much against ecumenicalism. You did not hang out with, like you say, the Pentecostals or the Catholics because you don't want to taint yourself with their, oh. their false doctrine. And <laughs> it wasn't until I got out of that denomination, thankfully, that I started hanging out with all these other denominations and finding out, hey, we can still be friends. We can find things that we agree upon. And we're all against abortion. We're all against fill in the blank. We're all against sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And and Jesus, we all agree about Jesus, right? We all agree about Jesus, yeah. And so I would totally get on the bus with, like, Hashtag same team.
1: I know. Isn't that so beautiful? And I just keep thinking, how can we do that as a church? Like there are so many things we agree on. So let's stick to that rather than all the things. Like I think even you saying when we come to know something about our enemy, even in that, it's like then it says, oh, I like I have to stay away. I can't like because what I know more about and. Rather than what do I know more about my friend or my brother or sister in Christ? Let's know about that. Because I would suggest even within our own biological families, I don't always agree with my family. I don't always agree with my husband or my siblings, but that doesn't mean that I still don't love them and want to connect with them. And so I think if the body of Christ is supposed to love each other as brothers and sisters too, then there's got to be stuff that we can listen to and support. And when we start to do that, there's a huge, there's a huge change. One of the uh, areas that I see is bridging the churches, which is really incredible to see how the Lord is working is mental health. Mental health is something that is showing up in every single church. And the more that happens, I'm now seeing how much it's a bridge to connection in the churches, which is really cool because it's hitting every single denomination. And when churches recognize I don't know what to do with this and they reach out for help, I often think when I can run a conference. And I remember a few years, my goodness, I think maybe it was back in who, 2018, 2019, I ran a large conference. And and I always tell people I'm an interdenominational therapist because I believe in unity. I believe that there's no denomination is greater than the other when we figure it out there could be one baptist church and another baptist church can look very different yes. and <laughs> yes and i loved in this conference as i looked at i think there was about 140 people and they were all representative of the entire body of christ we had people in attendance from the catholic church from the baptist church pentecostal maybe non denominational charismatic and they were all sitting and it was all mental health conference and everybody was worshiping together they were connecting i was like this is what it has to look like this absolutely. is absolutely and it was so beautiful to see and we just came around it was wrapped around an issue that we know people they truly care about the well-being of people and that's what i saw it doesn't mean that everybody in the church really is keen on understanding, but there is enough representation of people who really are asking good questions and they're curious. And like, I would say even at this ministerial meeting that I was just at the pastors came up and they said, we are recognizing, we don't know what to do. And I thought, what, that is such, like, I just said that is so humbling to hear someone as a church leader to say, I need help. Like we just, we need to do this better. So I Mm -hmm. thought, okay, good on you. That is so good. You're going to do right by your church when you ask those questions. Yeah.
0: Humble yourself and asking for help. And yeah, even if it's not from their community.
1: No, that's right. God has
0: taken me down a peg or two when I started getting to know my other Christian brethren and other denominations. And Uh I find out, well, these folks really love Jesus. These folks are very passionate about their faith and they're trying to change the world. It may not be the way that I do it.
1: No, and that's okay.
0: You're not Mm going to get anywhere by stating that there is no problem and the victims just need to get on with it. Just get over it. Oh, that makes me so
1: angry. I know. And that's not helpful. So when you have differences between a leader or people in the congregation, you're like, I don't want to deal with this in my church. Or the other thing is, yeah, if we're going to deal with it in our church, you need to deal with it secretly and the leadership, like one leader or maybe possibly two, will try and deal with it in the confounds of their office, but it's not not really dealing with it. It's just from a place of managing the impressions of the church. And that is such an, an issue when the church cares more about the impression they make rather than the pain and hurt and trauma of their people who are sitting in those chairs in their church that they want their church to continue to look good at the cost of those who are broken and have been broken by the church so they're silenced which is enraging because they will leave the church which is good to come and get help but where do they go so when they leave my office where do they go they don't feel supported by their church because their church is the one that's caused the pain they might have been abused in their church and so now they feel lost they no one gets them others in the church they don't feel safe to tell other people in the church because either the leadership is using some form of punitive responses or if you do this there's consequences and often people are afraid like there's so much control and uh, manipulation that people are afraid to speak out and that's so like, it's so wrong.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Folks, Mm -hmm. Tina knows our pain. Tina's,
1: Tina gets it. (laughs) I do. And honestly, I just, I think this is why I'm so passionate too, is when I find that leaders are operating as silos and not in accountability, like they have no hierarchy of accountability. It's the same thing as we started today with talking about accountability of our profession because we recognize that people will do things that are harmful. And I think the church too has to recognize that they are not exempt from that, that they too have to have measures of accountability. So when a church does a church planting, which is a beautiful thing, but if you've church planted and you're the leader of that church and you have no hierarchy or accountability, the other thing I've seen and hear, I struggle with this is when a church has been planted and a pastor plants it, and then they select their board of directors or their leadership team, <laughs> but, but yet the leadership team is still at the consequences of that pastor or that leader is that board of directors or the leadership team can still not say anything against that leader because there's a consequence yeah. to them? They will get pushed off the board of directors because they have been self-selected by that leader. And so I always tell people who are in that position that pastor who might have church planted needs to look outside of their church and ask someone to oversee them. There has to be someone that has no consequences that oversees them so that they can call them in order. And because we're all imperfect, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have blind spots. I said, deception. I remember one of my mentors said to me. I said, I'm so afraid to get into deception. This is what she said to me, Tina, you're already deceived if you don't think you're going to get into deception. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, my word. It's so true, right? Because that's where people hold us accountable. And so when we think about victims in a church and the leadership is not accountable to someone, and they are creating the measures of support, which is often punitive and consequences and silence and isolation and manipulation. If I heard someone doing that, okay, this sounds awful, but I don't know what else to compare it to. If I heard someone in a marriage and that was the traits in a marriage, I would say you're being abused. Like that person sounds narcissistic. Like I, we would name those things. Mm-hmm. This person sounds like they're verbally abusing you. And sometimes it could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. And we wouldn't allow that in a marriage. So why would we allow that in a church? Mm-hmm. Those type of traits are never going to help anybody.
0: Nope.
1: I, you got me in a bandwagon. I, can be on this. I love it. Yeah.
0: Keep going. <laughs> 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 I'm eating it up. <laughs> we are definitely on the same page here. Um you, you saw me laughing at what you're going towards certain things. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what she's gonna say. So what are some tools that the church and oh. the Christian community could maybe start implementing now? You know, we we talked about doing things unifying events and stuff.
1: Yep. I would say to the leaders who don't have someone outside of their church overseeing them, it could be a spiritual parent, it can be a mentor, but they, that I would encourage all leadership to have someone that holds them to in an accountability and transparency. So I would say that's the second thing I would also add where we're going to change our churches is the church needs to know their limitations, that they don't have to be the be all in everything for all people. Like when we have certain things going on, don't keep it so contained in the walls of your church, reach out and get help to people who are trained people actually, who have accountability themselves and have the expertise to, to do these things and bring them into the church to speak to the church. Sometimes I think what I've seen as well is when the church may have someone in their church, that's a professional, then again, that professional in the church is still under the mandate of that church. So is that person who's a professional in that church able to say things that might be really hard? Mm -hmm. Were they also afraid or are they biased? So I would encourage churches, bring someone in who's unbiased, who's a professional, who's an expert, have them come in, have them as a consultant because you really want to shift and change the environment and the atmosphere of your church. And see about, I think for churches who are not connecting with other churches, I think my challenge is don't be the church who says, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I say, I, I like, tell me in the scripture anywhere that it says denomination state, like there's no denominations in the Bible. So mm-hmm. I would challenge every church that is listening is that they need to say, what are some activities we can connect on? Because if the ultimate, when we know about the word of God, it says the Lord is coming to a spotless bride and a spotless bride isn't a spotless denomination. It's the spotless bride. Yeah. so, so, so it's the body of Christ. We are all part of the body. So that I think those are my biggest things is having people to come in and then start to look at where are people hurting in the church? Where can we actually Stop and listen. And sometimes it has to begin in confidential ways. Maybe they're conducting a survey. Maybe they're doing something that can be safe for people to be like, I'm still not trusting that my church leadership is going to hear me and I not do something that's punitive. Or so maybe the church needs to do something that's a little bit more anonymous mm-hmm. and begin start building it that way so they can start to see what are the patterns. So you don't look at one survey. You don't look at just one. You look at, okay, there's say a hundred get filled out. You will start to follow the themes and patterns so that people in the leadership can say, okay, if this is a pattern I keep hearing on every single survey. Well, then it's something you need to change. If more mm. than one voice is saying the same thing about you as a leader or you in the atmosphere of your church, then you need to consider it as something that needs to be changed.
0: Mm.
1: So those would be okay. my, my recommendations.
0: I love that. And I'm thankful that my current church is trying to do the right thing. And one thing I always appreciate about my pastor is he has a plurality of leadership.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: He did not choose the elders on in the church. Like you say, somebody else needs to choose those. Uh, The congregation votes on the people that are in in leadership. Mm -hmm. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're, out right and before coming to the church i'm at now i had never heard of the pastor talking about his own sin and his own weaknesses and his own temptations and things that he struggles with that meant so much to me and i tell him all the time thank you for being transparent on the pulpit i don't hear that very often that Mm. you want your congregation to uh, relate to you that, that you're a human being. You're not up here. I've established myself. I'm the perfect Christian and I'm the pastor yes. and you guys are the minions. Mm-hmm. And you can walk right up to the pastor and I have asked him about a couple of things that were bugging me and I'll talk to you.
1: Oh, I love that. And that's so that's how it should be, because they too are humans. They just have a call to be in leadership but I don't think that call to leadership says a part of your job description is to be perfect. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I All don't right. think it, it should be claimed as a thing at the pulpit. So I, it, that's beautiful when you hear of leaders who truly are authentic and genuine and say, yeah, but I'm on the same journey as you are. And we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And that's so, so incredible too. It's refreshing when you have that.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. We've had, had my pastor on the show twice and we've talked Aww. about how to find a healthy church we've talked about oh that's um, so good what happens how do you choose the leaders for the youth because we're building a new youth Center at our church doing the building building right now and I ask him point blank if you found somebody on the church staff that was bundling a child or even another congregant, yeah what would happen, yeah, Yeah, we'd be calling the police. Oh, good. We go through background checks. We Google them. We go to the the pedophile directory. We do a very thorough search before anybody comes on staff. I know one. there was a a pedophile in our church and he has not been allowed to come back to the church and they kept him off the property. Mm -hmm. They don't tolerate abuse. Women are treated with respect. Women are in leadership in our church. And it's a safe place to go. We have small groups for, for abuse survivors. We have oh. counselors on staff. They refer out to other professional therapists if they need them. Uh, so I am, again, I'm thankful I have a healthy church. And
1: Yeah, that's so good.
0: And um, oh,
1: that helps. I think that helps too, to see that there there can be churches that are healthy. Yeah,
0: there are out there, but it takes a long time to find them.
1: They are, yeah. When I think you even touched upon the fact that what also contributes to the health is I heard your pastor recognizes that he can't select the, the leadership team that they're, that that is a huge indicator, even from that place. And so as they continue, your pastor, sounds like he's humble and he's transparent and people who've been hurt, especially by the church, they need that experience. They need someone who is like, I'm human. And I have a story and I am doing this journey too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Let's, let's talk about your book, renewing our
0: minds in love. So what exactly are you talking about in your book here? Yes.
1: Yeah, so oh, my goodness, this book just compiles a lot of the core of our healing is relationships. So I use, and I think, okay, The Christian community, let me just add this first, and then it kind of speaks to why this was important. The Christian community for a long time has been in opposition with the scientific community. And I would say the scientific community has been opposition to the Christian community, right? It almost feels like there's this war between Mm -hmm. Christians and the science community as though they couldn't really see how they fit. And So years ago, I was just starting to ask big questions. Truly, I was asking these questions to God. I was like, God, I just, I don't understand. Like I see people coming in my office and I used to call it the, oh my, the revolving door of counseling. It was just like, people would come and they'd come back in with the same issues over and over. I was just like, I just don't get what's going on. And So I just said, Lord, I just really need to understand And all of a sudden he's truly this is what happened. He started to direct me to reading research about the brain. Didn't make sense to me at any point. It was truly the Lord led me to understanding what's going on in our brain, what's going on in our body. And I just started to dig into the neuroscience research. Well, it was really profound. And I started to see how scriptures became in alignment with neuroscience And I thought, I don't get why they're in opposition. So things like we're created and designed in the image of God. And then I would ask questions. If we're designed in the image of God, then that must mean that we have the ability to rewire and transform and change. And I thought, because he wouldn't create us as a body and a mind, because then I would go to, well, when I cut myself my body is all we're already healing itself. Like I'm sure I need to control for infections, but there's lots of really great healthy ways to do that. And so I just thought, okay, that has to be the same way that our nervous system and our brain is doing. So I just started digging the research. Well, and of course I discovered this whole word neuroplasticity and discovered that the brain can be rewired and our body can heal and externalize all of our pain. So then of course I'm looking at scriptures, take all thoughts captive, but I'm looking at Okay. So the research is actually saying that when we allow our body and our brain to heal itself, you literally start to access those things that the scriptures actually are speaking to. So I often say is that science actually glorifies God. And so this book came out of this place in understanding how neuroscience and scripture are actually integrative, that we could actually flip neuroscience on top of the Bible and it actually reinforces everything in the word of God. Mm. And I really believe that the Christian community needs to understand that and predominantly to stop the spiritualism of everything. So because we over spiritualize, it means like, oh my goodness, you have, if you have depression, you have a spirit of depression. If you're having a panic attack,
0: you have a spirit
1: of panic attack. If you're having a, if you're in suicidal, you have a spirit of suicide and we can just command those things to leave. Well. The church will be trying to do that. And then people are leaving thinking, well, I'm binding up the spirit of suicide, but I'm still suicidal. I'm like, oh goodness. So the book started to dispel some of these spiritual focus to understanding that Paul, Apostle Paul in the Bible says, we are spirit, soul, and body. We are, the word of course is tripartite. We are three. We are not just a spiritual being. And so- I started to just keep looking at that. So the book takes neuroscience, takes scripture, and it's very, it's not clinical in any way. It's supposed to be for the church to start to understand that you have a soul and a body, which your soul is your mind and your emotions. We need healing outside of the spiritual part as well. Even though that is very much a part of it, we need to focus on all of those areas. So I talk a little bit about neuroscience. I get into the spirit, soul, and body, and I talk about the integration, but the core of the book is about how if fear is the product of mental illness, it is what is the greatest antidote. It is love. Yes. And I talk about how love truly is the greatest antidote to every single part of our suffering. And it actually has been proven in science. So I, I show people how love actually truly is an antidote and has been proven in science. I talk about how scripture is very clear that love is the greatest because it is love that restores all things. And we only heal in relationship. So the core and the foundation of my book is proving that only in relationship and only when we have loving relationships, do we truly heal because we are harmed in relationship. So we need to heal in relationship. And then we think about, and I connected to, and God created us predominantly for what reason to be in relationship with him because he loves us so much. And so I just wanted people to understand at the core. So I talk about little things like spiritual abuse, religious trauma. I do talk about that. I talk about like trauma and what it does to us. I really think it's a really good beginning understanding for the church, especially leaders, to really challenge them to do different. I do call out, (laughs) there's a chapter (laughs) in the book, I call out leaders to do their own work. I call them out in the way that says <clears throat> when leaders are the shepherd to the church and they're actually haven't done their own work, they're actually harming their congregants because of the blind spots. And I say, we always have blind spots because it's the information we've known. It's the books we've read. It's the information we've received from other people But our unresolved things from our past actually create blind spots. And then I've seen a lot of preachers create messages and it gets twisted because of their unresolved stories. And then people walk away feeling so overwhelmed and triggered by the message because it becomes a place where they've created a sermon from their own pain and haven't recognized it twists scriptures and it causes more harm. So I, I am such a proponent of leaders in a church to make sure they are doing their own work as well. So I do have a whole chapter on that in my books.
0: So Unique. I've never really heard of anybody coming at it at that angle at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to make a little tiny indent where I can.
0: Yeah, that sounds very profound. I know we were all over the place today. (laughs) Yes, we were. (laughs) We were just going all over. Um, Good stuff. Uh, Was there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention?
1: I don't think so. I think Uh what I loved that we did is we, I think at the core of it, we've talked about the responsibility of the church. And I mean, if we would tie all of our our different points together, I really like that we talked about how the church has to do different and there's lots of different pieces in that, gaining education, gaining understanding that we're more than just a spiritual being, accountability. So I think we've hit a lot of different themes that could probably be shows in itself, but I really appreciate being able to talk about the core of the church and different and doing different.
0: So for our Ontario folks, are you accepting new patients?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a team of 14 therapists, so I actually oversee a team and many of my therapists can actually see across Canada. Yeah. So when they get registered they they can work in different provinces as social workers. We have to be registered in the province that we see. So I have myself, I have a, another social worker who is registered to be in Ontario in Saskatchewan. And so we do have different provinces as social workers, but the rest of my team mostly are registered psychotherapists who can support people across Canada. I know that you're in the States and I know if we wanted to work in the States, we would just have to reach out to the state to ask what their regulations are and become registered. Mm-hmm. Virtual therapy has made, opened a lot of doors and opportunities. So, but yeah, we're available across Canada and the practice name is Tina J. Smith and associates is the private practice counseling and psychotherapy. And then last year I got charitable status and not-for-profit charitable status to provide subsidized financial support for those who can't afford the private practice model, which is insurance and benefits. So it's called Cela Treatment Center is the not-for-profit charitable organization. And we're trying, to, we're at building stage, which is all supported by grants and donations and because it's charity, it's a charitable organization. So we're just trying to make an indent. One of our populations is human trafficking. We've got a lot of survivors here and they don't have a lot of support here to work on their trauma. Yeah. So we're working religious trauma is one of the other populations that falls under SELA treatment center that we're hoping churches as they we're getting donations coming in. We really want to bring support to that area under that organization.
0: Awesome. We have a lot of Canadian listener. So you Canadian oh. listener, if you like, Tina, you reach out to her for some help. How can we all get a copy of renewing our minds in love and listen to your rewired by love radio program?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. So you can go on Amazon. So either Amazon.c if you're in Canada, or you can go on amazon.com if you're in the States And then the radio station is played in three different cities in Ontario. It's the Christian radio station. So there's Kitchener radio station. There is Woodstock radio station. And there's London. If you want to listen to the on-demand episodes, you go to 94.3 Hope FM in Woodstock. And then you just have to go on to the on-demand. You'll see a picture of me. You click it. And then you'll see all the episodes there. And then people can check those out as well.
0: I'll put all that in the uh, transcript in the show notes. I really
1: enjoyed our conversation.
0: It's been great having you on the show.
1: It's been such a great. Thank you for like going with me in all these different points, too. It was awesome. Squirrel. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's how I am. Totally
1: true. (laughs) I I love it.
0: Well, God bless you. Be sure to stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. Take care and thank you again.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.